Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. So it is a rainy Wednesday, and that's uh, not because it's rainy, but because it's Wednesday means we are doing another Light Bears podcast. We're continuing our walkthrough of sanctification. So last time we talked about the, the nature of sanctification, what it is in Scripture, the Lord's role in it, our role in the complexities of that. And today we're going to talk about, uh, funnel down a little bit and talk about spiritual disciplines and some of these means of grace uh, that, that aid in that process. To help us do that, we have Bethany Porter, who is on discipleship staff with, with me here in Fayetteville. And uh, she talked on spiritual disciplines and it was great. Uh, I'm sure it was fun for you to talk about mm-hmm. and glad to have you, Bethany. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was um, really fun to teach. It's my second time. Uh, it's a little intimidating. It's an hour and a half. Uh, I went from you know college presentations, which were fifteen minutes, and that was intimidating to an hour and a half. But hey, I really enjoyed it. Which it, it is. It is slightly harder for those listening to to go. It, it's maybe a little easier to talk on scripture, and then when you take systematic theology, you're not taking a book. You're taking all of scripture, and so it's, yeah. It's drastically different in how you prep. Yeah. So, so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, uh, we hear that believer, or not believer, especially you know if if you're young in the faith, what, what are those? What, what does that mean? Spiritual disciplines. So, shape that for us. What are spiritual disciplines? Yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, probably if you've grown up in a Christian home or you've been a believer for a little bit, um, the first ones that would come to mind is something like okay, being in the Word, so reading Scripture. Prayer, fasting, confession. There's others maybe that we wouldn't think of as much. So that would be being a good steward of your time is a spiritual discipline. So how you spend your money. And then as far as as time, that would be solitude. That would be rest. That would be fellowshipping with other believers. So there's a lot that spiritual disciplines does entail. I do think our go-to is to think, okay, discipline. So that means something that I don't want to do and it's something I have to do. You know, that the, the word discipline brings up a lot for us, I think. But with Jesus, it's actually an invitation into his grace. It's, it's a rhythm of remembrance. It's a, way, it's a way of getting to experience the fullness of what God has for us while we're here and waiting for him to return. So it is hard for us because we think, oh, gosh, discipline, uh, this is something that I don't want to do and is burdensome. But in Scripture, it says that his commands aren't burdensome. And so that means that spiritual disciplines aren't necessarily a burden to us, even though sometimes they are hard um, to continue with, but they actually bring true freedom and enjoyment in Christ. Yeah, I love that. That I mean, as, as you're describing those, you know, we, we have scripture and prayer. I love that you even talked about solitude and, and rest of, I mean, we've talked about this and when we think about ministry, but oftentimes people just assume you know how to rest or, or even how to do relationships well. And often these are disciplines. It's, it's a discipline of stewardship, of stewarding your time and, and your energy. And, and, and also it's figuring out how to rest well uh, uh, in a healthy way. And that's not just, you know, sitting and sleeping for, for 24 hours, mm-hmm. but, but how to who rest in, in the Lord and in his yeah. promises and scripture. And so glad you brought that up. So regarding spiritual disciplines, and you mentioned this of, of I think for some people, it's that word discipline that is that's probably hard, hard to, to wrap our minds around. And, and what does that mean? Obviously we, we gave some examples. So speaking to, and you alluded to this of, of, you know, that this really isn't 
necessarily a duty. It actually, as we grow in our love for the Lord, this is delightful to do these things. So why are, maybe there's somebody listening or somebody would say, well, aren't spiritual disciplines legalistic? So mm-hmm. speak into that. What, what makes them not legalistic? Yeah. And I, I do think that's a very common struggle. I mean, all of us as believers, are, our hearts are prone to make everything a task and a, a way of pleasing God in the sense that we actually want to be approved by him by doing certain things. But I would argue that spiritual disciplines aren't legalistic only if you have a true understanding of justification. So if you aren't a believer, then spiritual disciplines would be legalism. It would be a way of trying to say, Lord, I'm trying to make myself better for you by almost bringing myself together morally, um, doing these good things for you. So resting well, uh, serving well. Um, reading scripture well, but if you aren't a new creation, if you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you, it will lead you back to yourself. And that that's not pleasing to the Lord necessarily, but because of Christ and because of his blood, a true understanding of justification actually makes spiritual disciplines an invitation into his grace and a actually a gift to us and something that we get to do. I do think, though, that in the life of a believer, there's definitely times when we don't really feel like doing it. And I think a, a common struggle as I've worked at Libraries is certain students coming up to me and being like, well, I don't really want to read my Bible because I can tell that I feel like I have to do this to please God. And so I'm just not going to do it. And I, I think that struggle is very real. But my encouragement to someone like that, um, and I've been there too, is to still get in the word because it is the word that that molds and shapes our hearts and and discerns things for us and, and reshapes our minds um so that you're getting that truth that would show you hey you are justified right. before Christ but then I would, it would encourage you with that to to move forward in the spiritual disciplines to process that with somebody so why is it that you struggle with legalism did you grow up in a home that projected that more do you feel like god doesn't approve of you and how can we help you better understand that you are saved by grace and grace alone. And then to pray like crazy that God would mold and shape your heart to better understand his justification, his acceptance of you, these rhythms of remembrance that he set up for you that are actually good for us, that you would experience that with him. Yeah. You mentioned uh, that, that, you know, as we grow in our love for the Lord and uh, growing and understanding his grace, that, that these, these commands of the Lord and our spiritual disciplines uh, aren't burdensome in, in pulling this from, I think it's first John chapter five, but they are a delight that these are, as you mentioned, they are grace. These are things of grace that we can press into. They are means of grace that the Lord uses in our sanctification so that we would look more like Jesus. So, so let's, let's talk about some of these. Uh, and obviously this, we, we don't have the time to get into all these, but you, you mentioned that scripture is kind of uh, maybe the, the foundational uh, spiritual discipline. Explain why you said that. Well, why is that so? Yeah, I think that, you know, scripture is where our faith would begin. So it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's it's through God's word that you hear the gospel. And then it's through the gospel that your faith comes about. You know, you have to hear that in order to be able to step into that faith. So I, I think that's important. I think another thing is that it is through scripture and the anchor of that truth. This is something that's controversial for us today is that as believers, we are saying that scripture is the ultimate authority. It is absolute truth. And so from that, we're also agreeing that we're going to learn how to engage in these spiritual disciplines from scripture and from scripture alone. 
So if someone's kind of making up a way that they want to pray that isn't according to what scripture would say, I would argue that you're not praying. Like, like scripture is, is the one that gets to define how we pray. If someone is fasting, not according to scripture, where it's actually turned into more of a self-hatred type thing, um, that's not true fasting. Scripture is clear that, again, this whole language of invitation into God's grace, it's not a self-hatred, I'm going to beat myself up so that I feel terrible about myself. Actually, Scripture would say you are of great value and the Lord loves you. So fasting is not that. But we wouldn't know that without Scripture. And so if someone maybe at least doesn't at least have some sort of a base for how to do these things, Scripture is where you would go first. And that's where your mentor should be taking you. That's where your church should be taking you is let's learn how to be in solitude because of Scripture. Let's Let's look at how Jesus did that. And then you can go from there. We have such a gift in this anchor of truth from God's word. Yeah, no, for, uh, and Bethany, we've, we've talked about this, that for, for my sanctification, for my spiritual life, there's been nothing more foundational than, than a, a, just a, a deeper knowledge and, and really a, a developing, by God's grace, a bigger appetite for Scripture. And, and mm-hmm. that's understanding how, how to read it, how to read it properly, understanding context, understanding that Scripture interprets Scripture even uh, scripture memory. Uh, I mean, I know we we're working on you and I are working on that, and we've got some of our interns doing that as well. That those are foundational. And as Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the, from the mouth of, of God. That all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And, and that's that's what this is: the sanctification mm-hmm. of of God's word is sufficient in bringing us from one degree of glory to the other so that we might look more like, more like Jesus. So you mentioned, and and I like this one. And if we're honest, I think a lot of us don't do this enough. We, we've talked about this. It's not the one, you know, when I think of spiritual disciplines, I think of scripture, I think of yeah. prayer and rightfully so these are great, but, but something like fasting, yeah. uh, it, if, if I'm honest, I, I don't fast frequent enough. And I think a lot of believers are probably that way. It's, yeah. it's not one that we, uh, probably go to enough. We see it a lot in, in scripture. So speak into that some. Yeah, I, I do think that fasting is just something we don't talk about very much. I do think, you know, kind of according to different countries, this is this is more of a prevalent things in different cultures. But I honestly have not fasted that much. And, and I think studying this for Institute was pretty convicting of, man, if you open up Acts, you see that the early church was very practiced and they very often fasted and when they had a big decision to make they fasted when when they were suffering when they were grieving something they fasted and one of the first times i ever fasted and this isn't a story of me being extra holy because it was a forced fast i was in college and my class together decided that we were going to fast because we were learning about spiritual disciplines and um, so the teacher, right before we broke the fast, we hadn't been eating for about 24 hours, which really is not that long. But for us, that felt horrendous at that time. Um, we were starving and she said, OK, but before you take your first bite, I want you to remember that the way that you feel when you taste this bread, that, OK, this is exactly what I need. This is so nourishing to me. I'm so excited to eat this. It's, it's satisfying to me is exactly how Christ is to your soul. He is exactly what you need. He is the bread of life. And there was something about that action of tasting that and that has really stood out in my mind of just as our bodies hunger for bread, so our souls hunger for the bread of life and that is found in Christ. And that 
that's been really powerful for me. When even in, in, I mean, you sharing that story at Institute, I, I mean, I agree that that's pushing me more to, to do that of what a picture of just like we, our bodies need this food for sustenance. So we need Christ to sustain us every hour. And, and it's, yeah. a, it's a really great picture. And it, it's our way, I think, of of sitting in the already, but not yet of, of the kingdom. So Christ, when he was here, he didn't want us to fast because we had him here. He was, he was the bridegroom. But now that he's gone and we, he, we're waiting for him to return, fasting is a way of us saying, Lord, we long for you to come back. John Piper, in some of his articles I read, uh, emphasized that it, fasting is almost like putting an exclamation point at the end of your cries to God. So if you are in a season of loneliness to say, Lord, I am so lonely. You might be saying that through prayer and through your time in the word, but to fast is to almost say, this is how much I need you and, and how much I'm longing for your satisfaction. Or Lord, I long to be rid of this sin. Please help me. And it's the exclamation point at the end of that sentence. And it is powerful in the life of a believer. Yeah, that's good. So you uh, you spoke on really the discipline and, and the heart stance of continual repentance and, and confessing and how that is obviously a vital piece of, of a believer's life, that, that we should uh, walk in repentance, that, that we should be confessing our sins in prayer and, and to one another. What do we do with, if, if you're a student and, and as you're saying that, you're sharing, hey, we need to be repenting and, and, and keeping in step with repentance and, and, and repenting throughout our life as a believer, we need to be confessing. What do you say to the believer or to the student who says, why do I need to keep repenting or confessing mm-hmm. if I'm saved? Uh, what, what's, yeah. what's the biblical reason for that? Yeah. And I think it's a great question because it is, okay, I already confessed one time of my absolute need for Christ. That I am in rebellion and he has saved me to that most. It's not like every time I confess that I'm getting that much more saved. In Christ, you're fully united. You are a new creation. He has already transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So why would we have to keep doing this? And again, I do think it sticks to that idea that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast of that spiritual disciplines are these rhythms of remembrance. And so confession and repentance is a gift to us from the Lord of being able to walk through sin with God. It's an agreement on what sin actually is with God. So that's saying, man, my sin is grievous to the Lord. It is an offense to God. Um, it affects other people. It affects me. But ultimately, it is saying that I would rather have this trivial thing on earth and worship that rather than worship Christ, who's the creator and who has saved me. And then you're also agreeing with God, but this is absolutely forgivable. So we can see sin how God sees it. Um, we're also seeing ourselves how God sees us in that, of that we are needy. We are uh, needing of his forgiveness, and we don't deserve that, but he's made a way for us to receive his forgiveness. And so to walk in confession and repentance is is a gift to us because it restores that communion with God. It doesn't make you more justified, but it's a restorative action. We see in Psalm 32 that David has some unconfessed sin, and it's fascinating how sin is not just limited to, okay, I did something wrong that felt bad for that hour. But if you are in unrepentant sin, there's this concept in Psalm 32 of it affects all that you are. You see David groaning with physical pain. Um, You see him groaning with emotional pain. 
uh, you see it says that God's hand of discipline was upon him. I mean, we've, we've all den- done this. So if you're struggling with bitterness, we've had that where you're actually not sleeping well. You're exhausted. It leads to discouragement. Um, you're getting headaches. That doesn't mean that every time you have something physically wrong with you or emotionally wrong that there is sin, but we do see that that can be tied to sin. And that action of repentance then restores us into being able to walk and step with the Spirit throughout the day. And I mean, what a gift that we get to engage yeah. in that. Yeah, I, th- I think of, in hearing you explain that, think of the Lord's Prayer, of, of how the Lord instructs His disciples, uh, His followers to pray is, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, that that forgiveness is not, to your point, it's not a justifying forgiveness, but but really it's a relational Lord, as a father, because that's how you start, right? It's our father, forgive me. You are mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness and for his grace to mend and help in that relational, the relationship that you have that was fractured a little bit or hurt because of sin. And so this is what the Lord, I mean, and Christ in instructing us in how to pray, how to confess, forgive us of mm-hmm. our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I love that you clarified that of, of it's not... A uh, justifying, save me again, but uh, it's pressing into the Lord and asking our Father for for forgiveness there. And I think too, like repentance is good for us because true repentance means that you you realize your sin before God, that it's not only affecting you and maybe your reputation, which that is something that is affecting you, but ultimately it is offensive to God, and that then brings you to a point of being able to turn from that sin. And so if, if we see this example of sin being absolutely destructive to our lives and he, by his spirit, brings that conviction and through his spirit gives you the power to repent of it and to say no to it and to continue to walk forward in the fruit of the spirit, that actually is good for us. And I think we forget that the blessing of God, that if you're in sin and you're praying for peace, you're probably not going to get that peace until you've repented of that sin. And then you're, you're restored back into that communion with yeah, God. That's good. What do you say to, to the student, to, to a believer, somebody who comes to you and says, Hey, I, I'm a new believer. How do I start this process? Well, what should I do when it comes to prayer or scripture or fasting? What are some just very quick and, and maybe practical tips of how you would instruct or encourage a light bear student or, mm-hmm. or a new believer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that the starting point is to remember that discipleship and your growth in Christ should not be happening alone. The whole idea of I'm going to drive off into the wilderness and just seek God by myself for the rest of my life just doesn't work. Scripture is full of examples of people pushing each other and sharpening each other in Christ. We actually really need each other. And that even comes down to spiritual disciplines. If you aren't sure how to read your Bible, which is very common, it is a hard book to read at times, um, I would encourage you to find a good church and to to be bold and to ask someone to help you in that process. Same with prayer, fasting, all those things. It does. It takes a lot of mentorship in that way, someone older or someone who's been there to help you. I also do think that, I mean, we can't be discouraged by our lack of maybe knowledge of how to do something. I mean, Christ speaks to kids and to someone who's been a believer for 80 years, you know, and, and the kid's prayer is not less sufficient or less holy than an 80-year-old's. So we all have to start somewhere. And that's with scripture as well, of opening up a passage and um, praying that God would help you to understand the passage for what it is, 
do that in the context of community, start to build up those tools of what it looks like to actually study a passage of scripture and then continue moving forward in those disciplines and trusting that he will use those to invite you into his grace. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that we do, and I'm thinking of our interns of godliness is in some ways, it's an acquired taste in some ways. Uh, and that's helping our students. I say acquired, it, it's, it takes time. And so for, for, for them to understand, Hey, if, if you're not, if you're new to memorizing scripture, let's get you memorizing scripture and let's get yeah. you used to memorizing bigger chunks. Uh, hey, your prayer life isn't very good. Well, let's let's uh, let's pray together. Let's let's get you a prayer schedule to to get used to praying more and kind of expanding your strength or abilities to to do that more. Yeah. And, and so it is. Oftentimes, godliness is an acquired taste of of you know you, you do this, you get bigger bites, and you develop a bigger hunger for scripture. You you pray and you develop better habits of prayer, of rest, and, and so these are disciplines. I mean, I think of what what. Paul says when he says, labor with me in prayer, recognizing there is a laborsomeness or a work that, hey, labor with me in prayer. And even if, if that's you and you're listening to the podcast, take comfort in if, say, if prayer is hard for you. Well, the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? And so to your point, Bethany, of, of you know, if some of these things, we don't know how to do these, that's okay. That's where the church, community, scripture is vital and, and getting these muscles of spiritual disciplines working. And, you know, I, I think of that, that verse in Hebrews that no discipline seems pleasant at its time, but, but it, it's what it produces. And so to be disciplined means, you know, to, to, to grow in the spiritual discipline of, of getting in the word or scripture memory or, you know, something along that lines, it might mean you having to get up a little earlier or same with prayer of setting a lot of time to pray or to fast or to, to grow in the discipline of confession and repentance and stewardship. And so these things take time. Uh, and, and, you know, if they don't come naturally per se, and yes, there is a regenerative work that the Lord gives you, praise God, a new heart and desires, but this is often acquired and you develop a taste and a bigger appetite for these things. And so it's important for us as believers to, uh, to know that, but, but to press into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so much of following Christ is that day in, day out kind of plodding along. I think we're all looking for these huge, um, hype experiences. And if we had had those that they're not necessarily wrong, but we can't be following Jesus just for those experiences. I think we will experience lots of joy, but also lots of sorrow in Christ and lots of having to kind of push through and still be in the word, even though it's a little awkward and you don't understand, or your prayer life does feel awkward because you're still getting used to what this looks like. I think that's okay. And I, and for some reason we identify ourselves with that and we're like, man, I'm the worst Christian. And once we start thinking that you're not very motivated then to be in prayer and to be in the word, but God accepts you and sees you as his child. And it's from that love of Christ. It's that that compels us to continue in these disciplines. And we do get better. That's, that's the amazing thing is that in Christ, we grow in these things. We, we put more sin to death. We, we get to know him more. And that's motivating to me. This isn't a self-help. I'm hoping that my actions get better. This is actually the work of the Spirit. In 2 that's Corinthians right, yeah. 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, and that this comes from the Spirit who is the Lord. Uh, it is God working in you. You don't need to muster and white-knuckle it and try to get over this by yourself. 
you are invited to, to walk by the spirit as you engage in these spiritual disciplines. Yeah, that's so good. And that's why it's important for, for us as believers to understand that, that when we talk about sanctification, that this is, I mean, the spiritual disciplines talk is in that series of sanctification that we're doing, that sanctification is a primarily a, a work of God. Praise God that, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion, that he is at work within you. And so that, that, that these disciplines are not solely up to you, as you're saying, white knuckling and pulling yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps, but that the Lord, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit to help you, to, to give you a heart that longs for his commands, to be obedient to him. And so we work that out. We obey in those spiritual disciplines so that the Lord can use those things to, mm-hmm. to, to mold us and, and to form us. I think of a, um, a conversation I had a couple of years ago of this one student and I'll never forget because he looked like right out of a Lord of the Rings movie, this long red beard he had overalls and he made, he made swords uh, like forged <laughs> by the fire swords. And yeah, and I was intrigued and, and he, you know, showed, showed pictures of some of his daggers and he showed me this picture of this big sword he made. And, you know, I remember asking him and he, he I remember he said that the strength of, of the, the blade or the sword, he called it the integrity of the blade. And he showed me this massive sword, this beautiful, strong looking sword. And I asked him, well, how big was the fire? How big was the flame set to mold and to forge this? And he said, you know, with, with making swords and giving a blade integrity, it's not the size of the flame, but it's, it's the constant steady heat. Uh, And you take that with sanctification, spiritual disciplines. It's that constant steady heat of, of daily obedience of, of prayer, of scripture, of fasting. And it's, by God's grace, through faith, submitting yourself to those things and letting the Lord shape you and give you that gospel integrity and that character that makes us into a, a strong, usable weapon that the Lord or, or tool or, or vessel that the Lord can use. And these are important. This is the beauty of what spiritual disciplines do in us. They sanctify us and we have a role in that. And I, I just love that reminder of, of, yes, these are not legalistic. We're called to do these things, and yet let's remember that the Lord is at work in us to help us, to aid us, and to shape us as we we do these spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's through these disciplines that we are able to look to Jesus as our founder and perfecter of the faith. You know, this is how we lay aside the sin that clings so closely and continue this race is through these spiritual disciplines of, of keeping ourselves in the love of God. Well, Bethany, thanks for sharing with us about spiritual disciplines you're welcome brett we will do it again and i'm sure i'll see you like in an hour at the office (laughs) sounds good you've been listening to the light bears institute podcast a production of light bears ministries for more information visit lightbears.com